This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Who is like you, Lord, in all the earth? Much less love and beauty, endless world. Nothing in this world can satisfy. Jesus, you're the God that won't run. Let's take it again from the beginning. Who is like you, Lord? Who is like you, Lord, in all the earth? Much less love now, much less love and beauty and less world. Nothing in this world and nothing in this world can satisfy me. You're the cup that won't run dry. Your presence, your presence is heaven to me. Your presence, your presence. Father, we thank you for your presence here this evening. We thank you for every life, every family, every destiny represented here this evening. We ask, oh God, that your word and your spirit will settle upon our hearts like fresh dew upon the earth, and you will cause it to bring, take root and to bring fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold to the glory of your name and that whatever it is that is contrary to your counsel, to your purpose, to your will, whatever tree, whatever root you've not planted, will be removed tonight at the instance of your word in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, forevermore. Blessed be your holy name. I want you, wherever you're standing this evening, to speak a word of prayer to God and just register your presence with him tonight and say, by whatever name that you call him, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, here I am. I'm not standing here because it's another Tuesday evening. I'm not standing here because someone brought me here. I'm standing because I believe that you are here and you are my God and I'm your son, I'm your daughter. 
and tonight I want to have an encounter with you in this meeting whether it's going to be by the preacher or just by sitting on the chair just find a way to touch and to minister to me that divine supernatural ministration that perfects everything that concerns me in the name of Jesus thank you father blessed be your name forevermore for in Jesus name we pray amen, amen. hallelujah I would like you to greet people however you want to do it. Infrared handshake, leg shake, namaste shake. Just make sure you say hello to someone this evening. All right. And all, all right. You may have your wonderful seats. Hallelujah. I don't know if you asked your neighbor, do your children attend Corona? Please, if they attend Corona, I don't. Have you ever been taxed by Lassa? If you've been stopped by Lassa or Lassa, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Because how many of us know what Lassa is? The agency in Lagos that comes after every notice you put out. It's just an interesting time. Hallelujah. And we always have two extremes of believers on the face of the earth. We have those who are religious to a fault. No means by any means shall come to my dwelling in Jesus' name. And they refuse to observe simple things like washing of the hands and, and things like that. That's one extreme. And you have others who are just purely intellectual. See, leave all these things aside. Though. Let us just follow all these health things and all that. See, if you cough near me, I will bind you. you know, that kind of thing and so on and so forth. But rest assured that these are the last days and many of such things will happen. The Bible says you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, pestilence and all kinds of things and all that. It says that the hearts of men will be shaken, will fear. But it says in your patience, possess your soul. It says in this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the Wafi Bible version of that. Yeah. I put it on my, on my status recently. It says in this world you go face many things like Lassa fever, coronavirus. But I tell you, say, I, I, don't, I can't remember how you put it again, but it's very interesting. <laughs> You know, there's a place, there's another one that says, I think Proverbs 16.25 that says, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. It says when you consider this way, you go think, say, pure die, but are they one you go wound you? <laughs> That's what the Bible, hallelujah. All right, so this evening I want to talk to us about Jesus, the great physician. Praise God. Jesus, the great physician. In Mark chapter 11, verse 28. In Matthew 11.28, I believe it's Matthew the Bible says that Jesus was speaking there and he, say, and he said, come unto me, all you who, are, who labor or who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, this man Jesus was a carpenter up until the age of 30, for about 18 years. He was a carpenter working with his father, Joseph. And there's a story that goes that he used to make yokes. Yokes are pieces of wood that are used to put two animals together so that they can plow the ground. And that he made one of the most fantastic yokes in Nazareth, in, in Judah, that he was known, Jesus was known as a carpenter for his yokes. In fact, they say on his shop there was the inscription, my yoke is easy. And so when he was 
when he started ministry, I bet you never heard this story before. <laughs> it's not in the Bible, right? Okay, that my yoke is easy. All right. But I want to talk to us uh, about um, this today because I really believe that there is no other person, there is no other entity in the world that can attend to the needs of man like Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 9 verse 12, Mark chapter 2 verse 17, and Luke chapter 5 verse 31, he said, all right, that I have not come for those who are well, I have come for those who are sick. What happened in those places was that they found him eating with tax collectors. They found him eating with publicans, with sinners, with the dregs of society, the basement, the prostitutes. And then the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and so on and so forth, they asked his disciples, why does your master eat with all these people? The scum of the earth, you know, the Agbaru boys and so on and so forth. And Jesus said that I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He says those that are well don't, don't need a doctor. They don't need a physician. I've not come to call the righteous. I've come to call the sinners. Jesus has a way with people that I need, not just people that you know that you know we can we call sinners and, and people that anyone that has a problem, a trouble, no matter how deep. And that's what I want to talk to us about tonight. Why he's uniquely qualified to be our physician, our doctor. Why we can go to him at any time of the day or night with anything under the face of the earth. There are people who feel that believers are the kind of people that you don't tell deep things to, they will not understand. If I begin to tell this person about my addiction, I begin to tell this person about what I'm struggling with, you know, they will not understand. You know, they will feel that, ah, this person, you have suffered, oh, ah, please, 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 can't just try to be holy, try to be holy in your life. You know, but that's not Jesus. Jesus goes for the least likely, the most unexpected, the one that is disqualified and the one that has been counted out, the one who has, who has no semblance of holiness, righteousness, Christianity, salvation, nothing. The greatest apostle in quotes that wrote the of New Testament was a murderer. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He killed people. He was a terrible fellow. He had blood on his hands. But when he encountered Jesus, he became an apostle. It's one of the things that baffles men. There is no case impossible for Jesus. It does not matter what it is. He is the great physician. He will heal the sick. He will raise the dead. He will open the eyes of the blind. He will convert, right, the testimony of someone from darkness to light. That is the reason why he came. He didn't come so that we can have four Bibles. I have KJV, NIV, NKJV, NLT, N Amplified. No, he didn't come so we can have concordance and speak big uh, 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 Greek English and say, you see, you know, you see the apocalypsis of the, you see the Katagenosko. No, that's not why Jesus Christ came. He came because man was in trouble. I like to say that the Bible says that for God so loved the world is the most popular verse in scripture, that he gave his only begotten son, that if God looked down upon the face of the earth and he saw men walking, nobody had a car, everybody was just walking, pedestrian. The Bible would have said for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten car. If God saw everybody single, he would have said for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten spouse. God looked at man and, and, and all the needs of man, poverty, hunger, you know, iniquity, lust, crime, pride. And he said, how can I? Because the word is so, it's a qualifier. For God so loved the world. He looked at everything and said, what can I do for these people? And he said, I know what to do. I will give them my only son. So that was God's answer. And there's a reason why he's the great physician. Hallelujah. Amen. 
So I want to talk to us about what it means to be a physician, a doctor, what it means to be a medical person. I love talking about this because it helps us to understand in a relatable way why the Son of God is the real McCoy, why he's the real deal, why there's no one like him, uh, no politician, no, 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 no pastor, no father, no mother like him. He is everything in one. He's the balm of Gilead. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the comforter of those that mourn. One of the secrets you can have is to have Jesus as the pillar of your life, as the back of your life. When everybody is saying that there's a casting down, you will say there's a lifting up. When you are cast down and there's nothing for you, they've, they are, they are, they are, you know, everybody looks at you and says, oh, you are finished. You will laugh and smile. A believer is a person that does not just laugh when things are going well. They laugh when everything is topsy-turvy in their lives, when nothing is going well because they have inside information. They have an advantage. They have one who has never failed and whose word never falls to the ground, who loves them so much. The Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? It's one of the greatest secrets, all right? I was listening to Pastor Adibu yesterday and he was talking about a, a lady who said that, right, that it was time for her to be promoted in the office. And the boss said that I will, I, I ask over, over, my, over my dead body, will you be promoted in this office? Over my dead body. And she ran and she went to meet him. I said, okay, let's pray. Let's just pray. Let's just pray that you'll be promoted. That's all they pray that you'll be promoted. All right. And uh, the boss, he actually told two stories. The first story was one about the boss said, no, it's not time. I don't want you to promote. I don't want you to promote. And they prayed. And they transferred that fellow out of that office. And then they promoted this person, and then they transferred the person back, and they were on the same level. And the second story, the guy said, over my dead body, it will never happen in this office, God forbid. And, and I said, it's a simple prayer. Let's pray. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There are very few people that understand how much God loves them. God loves you so much. When people say that, you know, I don't know how God can throw people into hell, and so God loves you so much that he threw his own son into hell. That love, there's nothing like it, like it in the universe, you know? And so the guy that said over my dead body and everything, he woke up one morning, one week to the time of the, of the promotion exercise, you know, and he put one leg inside one leg of the trouser and put the second leg inside the same leg of the trouser. Do you understand what I just said? He, he put left leg inside the left leg of the trouser, now put right leg inside the left leg of the trouser, and he fell down. Rushed him to the hospital, he never made it. And the man ran to pastor, to pastor and said, Pastor, did we pray for him to die? I said, no, no, not me. Oh. The man said, over my dead body. That was the, what the man said. All right? And the promotion was going to happen. And so what the... <laughs> Praise God. But how are doctors made? How do you take a person that finished from secondary school and make him someone that can cut open a body? Someone has something inside them like, in, an, like an, an inflamed appendix or there's a hole in their heart or there's a fibroid and the person can open up and cut without fear when i was growing up i like to dissect books i would take a book even my bible i i i, I use blade i will hide because when people are like what are you doing my textbooks i would divide them into eight cups so i can carry them with me i'll be read, i have genesis the first five books i'll be reading it reading it because the whole bible was big we didn't have all these devices then you know, but when I entered into medical school, you can't just cut people. It's not, it's not poetry. 
all right? There are, there are significant planes in the body, all right? The, when you watch them do brain surgery in advanced countries, they use a microscope because, and sometimes, they, I watched one recently, they told the person to be playing violin. Because if you touch this place like that, you may be touching the part that is controlling speech. And you just touch this place like, I say something, oh, 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 oh. No, okay, no, that's not the place. Let, let's operate on this side. You know, it's a very delicate science. And so the very first thing that a medical student has to learn, he has to learn what is called anatomy. He has to understand how all the structures in the body are, where the heart is, where the lungs are, where the blood vessels are. He has to trace every nerve. In fact, in two, in, when you are in first year in medical school, they will give you a dead body. You will, cut, you will start cutting that dead body from the toe. First semester, 200 level, you cut the leg and the abdomen. That's how they do it in my own school. Second semester, 200 level, you cut the thorax and the upper limb. You must see everything. The doctor that stabs those, it's called dissection, can never be a good doctor. They say, doctor, I, I, have a, I think I have a feeling something is spinning me. I say, ah, what are the things inside there again? Don't worry, let's, let's try, let's go and let's, 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 just, let's just see what is happening inside that place. No, he must know precisely where to put his knife. He must know exactly when he sees something is swelling. He say, okay, this is the liver. This is, because he has seen it. I remember my body, they will give you a body for three semesters, the same body. When you finish cutting, they will put it inside the formalin. They will bring it out. My body was the body of an arm robber. He died with a bullet. I seen by the bullet track from the abdomen to the back. You will cut it layer by layer. It's called anatomy. You must understand how the body functions. Otherwise, you cannot be a good doctor. I'm not just talking about surgeons now. A good doctor. A doctor can look at you and say that, okay, this is where the heart starts from. And this is how the blood vessel goes and all that. Because he has seen inside the body before. After you're done with anatomy, you now move to what is called pathology. Pathology is different. That's where we have postmortems, autopsies. Someone just died now, and you must, dis you must find out the cause of death. That one is faster. In anatomy, you take like a long time, over a year, to cut the body. And this time, the relations are waiting outside. And you have to find out what, what caused the death. You have to open the entire body. And if you, see, if you see how it's done, it's done in like two hours. By the time they finish, they will sew up the body, sew up the body, sew up the body, and embalm it. You don't know that that body has been, you see the person lying down like this. You know that the body has been opened and everything the body has been, you know, has been cut. You have to cut every organ, weigh it on the scale, check it. Where's the bleeding? Oh, this person died of aspiration. This person died because of, of stroke. They will take a big saw and saw the skull open in that room. See, see, she, she's like, oh my God, what's going on here? <laughs> I'll get to the point in a jiffy. And saw open the skull so they can bring out the brain and wait. Oh, this person must have had dementia. See how small the brain is. Oh, this person must have had a stroke. See where the person, they bleed and all that. You must find out how disease causes death in the body. If you don't know how a person dies, you cannot, you cannot prevent death from killing them. I don't know if you got that. If you don't know how, how disease kills a person, when disease is in a person's body, you can't cut them open and save, and save them. Because when you cut them open, you'll not, you'll not be able to find how, how, where the death is and stop it. And that's, that's what doctors do. Hallelujah. So anatomy is the first thing they learn. Then they go to pathology. And then they study pathology so that they can understand how a person dies. It's only when they have passed those core subjects that they will allow the person to touch a living person. And sit down and say, doctor, I have... See, it's not just about the fact that you say, ah, it's not malaria typhoid you have. That's not, that's not... See, if you stay in Nigeria for a long time and you just sit in one clinic, you'll say... Eh, out of temple that comes to you, seven years, doctor, I have malaria and typhoid. But I have malaria and typhoid. You, that thing is very frustrating. <laughs> because that's not, that's, 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 that's not medicine. For a person to become an eye doctor, he has to study 
the anatomy of the eye, the embryology, that's how the eye develops inside the womb, how it grows, how the parts come together. Now study the physiology of the eye, the chemicals in the eye, the, the colors in the eye, all those things, the pumps in the eye that pump sodium and all those things. You have to study the disease of the eye, how the eye. If you see a person with red eye, everybody says it's Apollo. There are more than 10 causes of red eye. Some of them can cause blindness in four days. If you see it and you don't know, you say, ah, it's Apollo, it's Apollo, it's Apollo. Which will just come back in four days like, doctor, this is spiritual Apollo. <laughs> There's a, there's a hospital here in Lagos where they operate, they, they, can, they operate like on 22 eyes per day. For you to get to that point, can you imagine eye operation? It's something that me I cannot do as a medical doctor. Eye, eye. In fact, once the, it's about the, I'll just, I'll just say, see, go and meet the eye doctor. You know, but that is it. Anatomy first, pathology, and the person can now start treating living people. He will study the body structure study how disease operates, study how death occurs, then he can treat the living. Are we together? Yes, sir. So how does this apply to Jesus? How can Jesus Christ say to us, come unto me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest? Is it just because he's the son of God? Is it just because he is God and is almighty? Did Jesus qualify to be our great physician? Did he go to his own medical school? Let's examine the evidence. The first thing that we talked about was anatomy, right? Yes, sir. You have to study the body. And what does the Bible say in John chapter 1? I believe verse 12. The Bible says there, and the word became what? Flesh. The word became what? Flesh. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word became flesh. And the word became flesh. It means that he put on a physical body like yourself and myself. He didn't, he's not just the, the savior of the world because he's the almighty God. No. He became flesh. Jesus, the son of God, the creator of the world. He put on a physical body. He wore diapers. He learned how to cry like a baby. He learned how to suck his mother's breast for milk. He learned how to be hungry. He was studying the anatomy of man. He didn't need to do all of that. He was the almighty God. You could have just come and just say, I forgive you all your sins. You say, Lord Jesus, I am hungry. You're like, okay, what does hunger look like? He would not know what he felt like. Because he had never put on, he never studied, studied our anatomy. But what did he do? He, he became flesh. Just like we received our own body in, in first hundred. He also got his own body. Let me show it to you. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5. If you have your Bible, I want you to open there. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5. Hebrews 10. It's talking about Jesus here. If you can see, can you say amen? amen? It says, can we read together? It says, therefore, when he came into the world, he said what? Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but what? A body you have prepared for me. He wept. He was hungry. He was tired. He was, hung he was thirsty. He was sad. He was sorrowful. He sweated. The Bible says that he became our faithful high priest because he was at all points tempted as we are. He studied the anatomy of man. He put on a physical body. Angels are not qualified to save, to save mankind. They cannot be our doctors because they've never felt what man feels. But Jesus felt what you feel. He didn't just study the body like we did in medical school. No. He got a body and he 
felt it in himself. Oh. Praise God. So when he says, when, when he says, I know what you are going through, he's not just talking about something he studied objectively. You know, that, 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 always, that thing always comes up. It's an argument. I like, I like making the argument. They tell you that, you know, someone is married, for instance, and then person wants you to, person needs some counsel in their marriage. And they'll be like, uh, see, I, I need someone married to counsel me. Because if you are single, you don't understand what marriage is all about. I like playing with those kind of things. I'll tell the woman that, let's say, my, I'll tell my woman that, you see, your doctor, your gynecologist, is he a man or a woman? They'll say he's a man. They're more male gynecologists than female. I'll say, has he ever had, it? Has he ever had children before? I'll say, no. i say, so why do you listen to him when he tells you about pregnancy? Say, eh. I said, does a psychiatrist have to go mad before they can treat them? <laughs> but Jesus put on a body like ours. The next thing he studied was our pathology. He began to study our diseases. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, that God made him to be seen. Who knew no sin? that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He didn't just study our sins and our weaknesses, our infirmities. The Bible says he was obedient to the point of death. That means that he used his own body for an autopsy. He wanted to see how sin leads to death in us, how people get into addiction and die. He himself was like a spotless lamb. He had no sin in himself, but he carried our sins. He carried our sins to the cross and he died because of our sins. He knows our pathology. When a person is struggling with a habit, we don't tell them that, no, see, you need to, you know, you need to, re see, you need to, get, you need to repent and get better. Stop, stop this thing or otherwise you go to hell. We don't, we don't talk to them like that. Because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus carried that person's sins. He carried their habits. He carried their infirmities. He carried their weaknesses. He studied our pathology. Bible says that when Jesus Christ was at the grave of Lazarus, he was going to raise Lazarus up. He had the power to do it. But when he saw Mary weeping, when he saw Martha weeping, the shortest verse in the Bible, what does he say? Why did he weep? Does God need to weep? Was he not going to raise Lazarus up? Why did he say, hey guys, stop weeping, stop weeping, stop weeping, I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg. Is it, not, is it coronavirus that killed him? Let me allow raise him up there. No. But the Bible says Jesus wept. Why? Because even though he has the power to do and undo, he wanted to feel what they were feeling. Just like the way medical students are trained to become doctors, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, that though he were a son, yet lent he obedience by the things he suffered. He deliberately suffered so that he can become our savior. So that when you say that, Lord Jesus, I am tired, help me. He's not just going to help you like, like some powerful person. He understands you at the point of your need. When you say, Lord Jesus, I, 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 I just feel like killing myself. He knows exactly what you're talking about. 
When you go on your knees and say, Lord, I need your help. I need your help. There's, there's no greater prayer that you can pray and say, Lord, help me. I'm telling you that this, the, the lack of this knowledge has killed even pastors. They are there ministering to people, helping people, praying for people. They are struggling with something. They don't know how to cry for help. Remember Jesus Christ said that unless you be converted and become like one of these children, children, they don't, they don't form. They don't form. If something is paining them, say, it's paining me. If they say, I'm hungry. I want to poo-poo. An adult to be there, pressed, running stomach. <laughs> like, to be forming for, people form. You can form for men, but don't form for God. Go to the place of prayer, just be like, Father, you know, and I lose my voice. You are dying on the inside. I would trade you for silver or gold. Yet, you are doing some trades. Your visa has expired, but you want to stay back. They are telling you to do something in the office that you know is wrong. You are under pressure. Just ask for help. You are talking to the person that knows you, just like the way you can trust your doctor. Just like the way you can, your doctor that has never lived in your body, Jesus, God wore nappy, diapers. He came with an umbilical cord. He bled because you have blood. Because you have a lungs. He breathed in and oxygen and breathed out. There was a man who God told to apologize. There was a very young, rude guy. Young guy, teenager. This guy was in his 50s. And God told him to, uh, the guy was rude and, he, and, he, and he, he gave him the lashing of his life, tongue lashing. And the guy was broken. And as he went into the room, God told him, go and apologize to that young man. He said, that's the first time I've ever seen that fellow sin. You know, he just talks and misbehaves. And this just now put him in his place. I said, I should go and apologize. Lie, lie. He was having a conversation with God. And the Lord Jesus Christ said again, go and apologize to that fellow. And he said, Lord, Maybe you want to go about yourself. But I've spoken to him, I've given him a piece of my mind, and it's good for him. How can you tell me to go about Jesus? Do you know what that guy, what that guy have, what he has said, what he has done? And Jesus said to him, that, Do you know that I stood before Pilate? And Pilate told me that, Don't you know I have the, I have the power to crucify you or set you free? He said, that, Do you, I, know, I know when Pilate was being formed in his mother's womb, I formed him. I, I, I know when he came out bloody and, and, and destiny on shore. And he was telling me that. And I, was, and I was listening to him. I was like, guy, you're lucky I came like this, so like a Lambo. <laughs> you're lucky. The guy repented. He walked up to that young man and he said, I'm sorry for the way I spoke to you and everything. And that was the turning point in that young man's life. He was never the same again. He was broken. All the things that Hard discipline could not do for him. That love did, did to him. I want to encourage you this evening. Whatever it is, I want to assure you your fractures, your dislocations, your sprains, your strains, your swellings, your pains, you can hand them over to Jesus. He will take care of you. Whether it's personal, 
someone in your family, your fears, in your mind, in your body, in your soul, in your thinking. I saw a fellow today. I'll tell you, I'll tell you these two stories and I'll round up. There was a lady, tell you what doctors face. You know, a real doctor does not treat the disease that brought the patient. He treats the patient that brought the disease. There was a lady that used to, that used to come to the clinic, hospital where I work, about three, four years ago. She had this severe chest pain to attack her like a heart attack. And it would just relieve her. And she's just young, in her 20s. And she would come and they did all the tests, you know, ECG, echo, this one, blood, uh, cardiac enzymes. They didn't find anything. They said, ah, oh, you have this, this chemical heart disease. They started giving her all those drugs and so on and so forth. She would come take those drugs. She was still having the pain. It would be better a little bit. She was still having pain. One day she sat down there and the doctor looked at her. One doctor, Dr. Chukuma, looked at her and said, young woman, this pain at your age, you're just like 24. How can you be, you're not hypertensive, you're not diabetic, you don't have any hyper. How can you have this kind of heart pain? Started talking with her. 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 Started talking, talking, talking with her. Lady started crying. What happened to her? Why was she having chest pain? She had a courtship for two years. Fantastic courtship. Fantastic guy. Fantastic lady. Christians feared. They feared God and everything. Wonderful people. About six or seven months into marriage, they had an argument, and he slapped her. Now. She, the shock was not from the slapper. The shock was that she didn't see it coming. It was not in his history, in his Genesis, in Exodus. He had never shown anything like that. Wonderful guy, Christian. Even the guy was mortified. You, that kind of stuff like, eh, is that my hand or another hand? <laughs> he, be, he prostrated, he belt, he reported himself to her parents, to his parents, to the pastor. But the shock was, was, was much. I mean, I saw a guy today who, 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 was, who had an accident on Sunday on Lagos Ibadan Expressway, on Kaduna, that funny Kaduna Zaria Expressway. The car flipped, 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 flipped. He only came out with scratches. Scratches and all that. He came out. They said, my mother said I must come to the hospital. Young guy. He said, doctor, but whenever I sleep, I cannot sleep because I, I, I see myself in that accident. I wake up and I'm okay, the accident is over. So anytime he's coming home and, and she sees him like this, that's, that's how that chest pain started. Even though the guy has repented, he has whatever, her heart will just start beating. It was a psychological chest pain. So when she was ministered to psychologically, that chest pain, she was just swallowing drugs for nothing. That chest pain disappeared. Sometimes, what is wrong with a person is not what you think it is. See that boss, She's very wicked. I don't, I hate her. In fact, I like, like, I like looking at the roster. Every time I don't want to work with that person. But there's something that is happening to that life. You can take it to Jesus. It may not be, all I'm saying that it may not be you personally. Maybe someone that you know. And say, Lord Jesus, the great physician who became flesh, who bore our sins, who was tempted at all points, who knows all our weaknesses. Help my boss. Help my mother. Help my aunt. Help this child. Jesus knows things about your child you don't know. You don't know those things. But Jesus knows them. Praise God. I want you to lift up your right hand.
mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no sh shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, shadow you won't line the I'm coming after me. Light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Let's take, let's take it one more time. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. I want you to just lift up your hands this 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 evening. Just lift up your hands this evening. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands this evening and just talk to Jesus and ask for His help. Lift up your family, your husband, your wife, your work, your job. There's no wall he won't kick down. He knows all the walls. He's the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Balm of Gilead, the Rose of Sharon. He's the Savior, the Deliverer, the Redeemer. The one who was dead and is now alive. The one who tasted death for all man that he might, men that he might deliver them from the fear of death. Because he destroyed the one that had the power of death, that is the devil. The one that, that destroyed all the, blotted out all the handwritings that were against us and all the ordinances and nailed them to his cross. The one that saves to the uttermost, the one that rescues and delivers, the one that buys back, that washes, that cleanses, that sets up on high, the one that transforms, in whom all things pass away and all things become new. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the great physician. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name forevermore. We worship you. We love you, Lord. And we thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast. You know, we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus. I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior and from today I belong to you. If you have said those words, will be late, you are born again, you are part of God's family right now. You can go ahead and rejoice about it. God bless you. We love you. Stay blessed.